Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. God's word for our meditation this morning is the epistle lesson appointed for Palm Sunday from Philippians chapter 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Do you know the name Frank Abagnale? Does that name ring any bells to you? He is the real-life example that was used in the movie Catch Me If You Can. It came out about 15 years ago. A A man who fooled a lot of people. A man who was good at lying, good at putting on appearances, so good that they could make a whole movie about what he had done. You see, Frank had convinced an airline that he was really a pilot. And he convinced banks to give him money, and major corporations should support him. And he fooled so many people that for many, many years he was able to travel around the country and live the high life because he was a con man. He could convince people of something that he was not. And he used it to his own advantage for as long as he could. Frank got a lot out of it. So he kept on doing it until he was caught. You know, I don't know if we're that much different from Frank Abagnale. And maybe it's not to do the things that he did and travel around the country and get rich and live the high life, but but we're really good at pretending. We're really good at pretending to be something that we're not. How many people know the real you? How many people know absolutely everything about you? Maybe no one. Who in this world knows about those deep-seated fears you have? Or the guilt you continue to carry around and just put on a smiling face? Or that sin, that disgusting sin that you just can't overcome, that you've kept in the dark? Or those feelings of being a failure and not living up to your potential? Or the hurt that you carry around because of that loss of that loved one 
and you put on this face that everything's okay and everything is great and you're doing just fine, but deep down inside, you're bearing all these things. I mean, who in your life really knows about all of those things that you're going through? Is there anybody at all? The fact is, we're really good at being a Frank Abagnale, aren't we? We put on these appearances, we do these charades and these facades because we want to appear to be strong and that we got it together and that we know what we're doing. We don't want people to think less of us. And really at the heart of all of it, if you're honest with yourself, you know what it is? It's this desire to be accepted and to be loved. And if people knew the real me, if they knew what was really going on, there's no way that they would love me. There's no way that they would want to have anything to do with me. It's this need to be loved and accepted. And so we're good at doing the charades and putting on the facade and, and pretending to be something that we're not. So you fool everyone else around us. How are you doing on that? You can do it if you want. I mean, you, you can fool a lot of people around you. And you could probably go your entire life hiding these things from other people. But the fact is, no matter how good you're doing it with the people in your life, no matter how good you are, no matter how far you'll go, there's one you can't hide any of these things from. Not the hurts, not the guilt, certainly not the sins. You can't hide them from God. Oh, we try with him too, don't we? Oh, we will try to put on our best face towards God right, and try to convince him that, well, you know, I, I, I'm not as bad as the guy who abuses his children or the drunks at the bar or those people who never come to church. Uh, you know, we, we take God's word and, and we twist it just a little bit to make ourselves feel better and, and, and kind of make ourselves feel better before God and, and his laws. Well, yeah, when you say be perfect, God, you don't really mean be perfect. You mean do the best you can, and that's good enough. Or, or when you say love everyone all of the time, what you really mean, God, I know, is love the people who deserve to be loved as best as you can. Or, or just be nice to the people who are nice to you. Even in our relationship with God, we try to hide behind these things to make ourselves feel better, to hide that, those, that, those sins, to hide that guilt, to hide that brokenness. But it doesn't work. It cannot work with God. We might be able to do it with the people in our lives, but not with God. The charades cease before him. Because God sees it all. He knows it all. The evil thought that goes through your mind, the unspoken word that never came off of your lips, those things that you did that you don't think anyone else knew about. God knows absolutely all of them. And be, the truth is that 
for every one of those sins, you've got a problem, a big problem, a problem you can't fix. And because of that, you stand before a holy God and all of these excuses, all of these charades, all of this facade is stripped away. And he has every right to say to you, you deserve nothing. Nothing except hell. You don't deserve to be in the presence of a holy God. You deserve to be sent out of his presence forever into hell. And, and maybe there's been times in your life where you have felt like you're going through hell, but you've never been to hell. And when Jesus warns us about not wanting to go there, he should know because he has been there. He knows what that pain and that suffering feels like. And what God, the holy God, the all-knowing, all-powerful God says to you is, you deserve nothing from me. And you know what he wants nothing more from you? To stand before him and admit that you have nothing to offer him. To admit that you are nothing before him. And to admit that you deserve absolutely nothing from him. Why do we do this with God? Why, why do we put on these facades with God and, and try to you know, just downplay our sin, try to hide from him and, 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 and not you know, admit our faults and our, and our sins? Why? Because maybe it's the same reason we do it with the people in our life. We just want to be loved and accepted. We want to be loved and accepted by God, and we know that, that we don't deserve that if we're honest with ourselves. God doesn't love you because you're better than the guy down the street. God doesn't love you because you are trying your hardest to overcome that sin. God doesn't love you because you come to church on a Sunday morning. You know why God loves you? It's not because of anything you offer to him or anything you try to do. God loves you just because he loves you. Let me say that again for the people in the back. God loves you just because he loves you. To know that you have nothing you can offer him that you are nothing before him, that there's nothing he should give to you, but he loves you. And prove that love to you in the most vivid of ways. That he was willing to become nothing for you. Here in our lesson from Philippians, Paul is led by the Spirit to describe what the Holy God did for you. Look again at verses 6 and 7. He says, Jesus, who, being in very nature God, this is, this is God from eternity, this is the Son of God, has all power, all-knowing, holy, being in very nature God, does not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather made himself nothing 
by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Think about this. God himself, willingly coming into flesh, the divinity wrapped in human skin and put in a feeding box for his first cradle. Willing to make himself nothing to become a servant to you. Consider this. God himself, the all-powerful, holy God, as a child, willingly obeyed the authority of sinful parents, making himself nothing to be a servant for you. This is God who owns all things. The, 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 the heavens and the earth are in the palm of his hand. They're all his. Everything in this universe belongs to him, but was willing to become nothing and to become your servant that in this earthly life, he had nothing to his name. Not a home to live in. Not even a place to lay his head to call his own. And even in these events of this Palm Sunday, we see how he is willing to make himself nothing and to become a servant. What do we see? We see him riding in to Jerusalem, not on a stallion, but on a colt, on this humble beast of burden. Oh, and there's, there's this crowd there, but, but it's impromptu. And it's not that large. And yes, they're putting down the palm branches and the cloaks, and, and there's some singing of Hosanna and blessed is he who comes. But oh, it's so short-lived. Because these cries of Hosanna in just a few days are going to be shouts of crucify. He made himself nothing, willing to close his mouth as lies are spoken about him. As he allows metal to be ripped into his back, as he allows that spit to hit his face, as he sees that rabid crowd call for the worst. This is God himself making himself nothing to be the servant of us. The most amazing thing about this is that he did this to himself that he allowed this to happen, that he could have stopped it at any moment, but he chose to do it, to willingly do it, to make himself nothing. But all of this wasn't the worst of it. Listen to what Paul goes on to say. He says in verse 8, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see... He was given that ultimate 
punishment of death. He was crucified. And on that cross, a death that is completely undeserved, there, he took your sins and the sins of the world upon himself. And he allowed the Heavenly Father's anger to be unleashed upon him for every single one of those sins. His righteous, holy anger that we deserved was poured out upon this servant on that cross. For all of our pride, for all of our arrogance, for all of our lies, for all of our charades, for all of it, Jesus died. He humbled himself to obedience, even to death. Death on that cross. Death that was the punishment for your sins. That he became nothing on that cross so that you could become something. So that you could be forgiven. So that you could be filled with peace. So that you might overflow with hope. You don't have to prove yourself to God. You don't have to do certain things or try to convince him of certain things for him to love you. You don't have to compare yourselves to others. You don't have to hide behind all of these charades for God to love you. No, you don't have to do any of that. Look to the cross. Look to see God loves you just because he loves you. And was willing to become one of us that he was willing to become our servant and make himself nothing so that we could have everything. There's a chaplain who visited a soldier in the hospital. Uh, the, the soldier was too close to a grenade that went off and he lost his arm. And as he sat at his bedside, he was trying to find words that he could to comfort him in this really hard time. And, 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 and the chaplain said to this young man, he said, you lost your arm for a great cause. And that soldier looked at the chaplain and smiled and said, sir, I didn't lose my arm. I gave it. Friends, Jesus didn't just lose his life on that cross. He willingly sacrificially in his great love for you gave it so that you might have life life right now a life of peace and forgiveness and joy and confidence and hope and purpose the promise that you have the promise of life after this one is over Jesus gave all so that you could have everything that you need you know, that, that body stopped breathing on that cross that day. And it was taken down. And it was placed in a tomb. 
But three days later, God decided that breath needs to come back into it again. And that that body would walk out of that tomb. So that this one who made himself nothing and became the servant of us could again be exalted back to the place where he belongs. Listen to what Paul says. He says, Therefore, because he has done all this, because he humbled himself, even obedience to death on a cross, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God exalted him from that grave. God exalted him back to his right hand and there he sits in all power and glory and authority to continue to serve you. To continue to be with you and to forgive you and to love you and to come to you in word and sacrament to give you every spiritual blessing. The one who was made nothing again took up all power and authority as God, as he is for you. And for your continued peace and joy and hope. This Jesus, which means Savior, the one who saves us from our sins, is the exalted one. So that you know that nothing can take you from his love. That you don't have to hide behind any charades. You can confess your sins and know that he is there interceding for you. That you can stop putting on the show for him and comparing yourself and simply say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and know for the sake of our risen Savior, Jesus, he does. Here we get to see who we are in God's sight. Loved, forgiven, redeemed, and Jesus gives us that strength to put on his attitude. That's what Paul says here right at the beginning of our lesson. He says, In your relationships with one another, talking to Christians, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You see, friends, our life in this world is not just about impressing other people, trying to show everybody we got it together, to show how strong we are and how lovable we are. It's not what this life is about. It's about having the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That when we know this selfless, humble love of our God that became nothing so that we could have everything, when he fills us with that love, we look out and we say, you know what my life is all about? Humbly serving. Not thinking about myself anymore, but, but how, how can I love God and love my neighbor as I have first been loved? How can I decrease so that Jesus might increase through me? That I get to see that the purpose of my life is to exalt Jesus in everything I do and say, all to the glory of God the Father. In Christ Jesus, we are something. When we realize we're nothing without him. But with him, we have peace and we have purpose and he sends us out into this world to make him known. 
You know, we're entering here into the most important week in the history of the world that ever has been or ever will be. We get to see God himself taking the very nature of a servant, becoming nothing for us. And as we enter into Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, we see the suffering, and we see the pain, and we see the agony, we see the death but don't forget who that is. Don't forget why this is happening. This is God becoming man and doing and taking what I deserve. Making himself nothing so that I can have everything. And when we gather back here in just one week and we gather here for Easter Sunday and we again peer into that empty tomb, there we see the fullness of everything we have. The one who became nothing. So that when we finally realize that without him we have nothing, we have absolutely everything. All to the glory and praise of God, our one and only Savior. It's yours through Christ Jesus. Amen.